Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. You know, when you're, let's say you're at the bottom of the mountain and you're climbing up 8,000 feet, you know, you don't go from the the bottom to the top. You have base camps, right? You go up a part way, you stop. It's it's the same thing as a healing journey. Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now, let's begin. My guest today has a powerful and impactful story of hope and transformation with chronic illness. His name is Dr. Brad Gorski, and I'm honored to have him on the show today. We first connected when he interviewed me for the Autoimmune Paradox Summit, which launches October 1st and runs through the 5th. This is a free online summit that includes many talks, interviews that I think you will find a ton of value in. So I want to shout out to Dr. Brad for putting this together and making it available to the autoimmune tribe community. There's a link in the show notes to register so you don't miss any of these conversations and value in your inbox. Now, I want you guys to listen to Dr. Brad's story. I really think it's going to resonate today. Let's get started. Welcome, Brad. Thank you so much for being on Healing Uncensored today. I would love for you to start with your personal story because it is a powerful testimonial and story of hope I think that all of our listeners will be really interested in. Do you mind starting off sharing that with us? 
Absolutely. You know, I, uh, you know, years ago, I think as I got more comfortable with my story, I always kind of a, a mantra I have in the back of my head is uh, take your mess and make it your message. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, I would uh, love to start with that. And, you know, it was really interesting, you know, I, um, you know, kind of come from a chiropractic background. I uh, started my practice and, you know, always valued my health. I was a college athlete. I played college sports. My dad played professional sports. So, you know, I always like really kind of valued my health. That's why I went into chiropractic. And, you know, within our first year of opening our practice, uh, my wife and I, we move in a home and immediately upon moving this house, I started getting real unusual symptoms. You know, I mean, I could, at this point in my life, count on one hand how many times I'd been sick. Uh, I mean, I just was really never sick, had symptoms. I mean, I think obviously just kind of lived a really good lifestyle. And um, moving this house, immediately have unusual symptoms. I'm getting the brain fog. Um, and I always tell people that until they have brain fog, I don't think they understand what that means. Um, but for us, us, of those who have had that, you know, we, you know, I mean, it's just, so the brain fog started. I started getting like some inflammation in my hands and my feet, a lot of gut disturbances, uh, crazy low energy. And it was really, really unusual. And I would kind of sink, you know, in more nutritionally, right? I would uh, make sure there was zero sugar in my diet, which I didn't really eat sugar anyways. Um, but, you know, it was like I did everything right lifestyle-wise. It was like, boom, every couple weeks I was getting sick again. And so it kind of got to the point where my wife and I were like, there has to be something in this home making us sick, uh, more specifically me. Uh, you know, so we took two weeks out of this home and it was like, you know, a lot of my symptoms start resolving. Um, so we, we kind of knew it was like, man, there's got to be something in this house making me sick. Uh, we thought it was mold, but the tests in the house didn't come back out like really crazy high, you know, so we just try to live in it and, you know, kind of just take some supplements to help me with it. And uh, we made a decision. We move out of that house. Um, and in this process, you know, I actually had flown to my best friend's wedding and I gave up the next morning. And at the age of 27, I actually had a massive stroke, four different blood clots when dairies in my brain and um, couldn't speak, couldn't move the entire right side of my body. And I really didn't know kind of where answers lie. And, uh, you know, when it happened, I first thing that came in my mind, one of my mentors that I'd, uh, you know, worked with in Chicago had just uh, been diagnosed with a form of cancer and he was beating it, you know, so I kind of immediately was like, man, it's brain cancer. I'm like, I'm gonna figure this thing out. Like, I'm, I'm gonna beat it. And, uh, you know, doctor comes in, he's like, no, it's like, you have blood clots. Like, he had a stroke. Um, and I'm like, 27, like, it didn't even make sense, you know? So, you know, I was in one of the best stroke hospitals in the country and after a week of leaving there, they basically looked at me and were like, hey, we don't have any answers for you. We have no solutions. Um, you don't have a placking of your artery. Um, if this isn't genetic, like they're like, we have no clue for you. Like, and, and that was what I was giving as an answer at the age of 27. And, you know, so there was this, 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 um, this part of me was like, you know, that I knew there was a place for modern medicine, but then there's also this complete side of holistic healing that I believed in. And, um, you know, it was this, this battle of like, man, if I have a genetic issue, I guess it is what it is, you know, and it kind of takes that power away from you. Um, you know, we ran testing, it was not a genetic issue. We realized it was autoimmune driven. Um, you know, we realized it was an autoimmune condition we really kind of focused obviously on the healing process at that point. Um, you know, within really the next three months, you know, 14 different autoimmune numbers in my blood work disappeared. Um, I was down to like two or three. Um, and then my last autoimmune number took me almost two years to fully get rid of that. Um, but you know, that was kind of a, you know, my healing journey that I kind of went through, um, you know, and it gave me, I think a, an understanding, obviously when people get sick, you know, really what that's like, you know, I mean, I was not in a great position to be sick. I mean, I had a brand new practice. I had a, you know, brand new student debt from getting out of school. So there was a lot of things, you know, now I'm not in the office. I mean, I was paying doctors to cover my practice when I'm not there, you know, so it was a really tough emotionally, physical, spiritually. And then there was also this, uh, this inner battle of just like, man, this guilt that came with it of like, how could someone who valued their health get sick? So, you know, it was definitely a process <laughs> of healing. 
Yeah, that's that's such a powerful story. And I think it's incredible that then you were able to bring those markers down and realize that this was not genetic necessarily. It was these, it was autoimmune at the at the root, at the core. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the frustration, though, of um, not getting an answer right away? And, and you talked about I was you were doing all these things nutritionally, yeah. you know, air quotes, right? And, and this frustration, because I know a lot of us, uh, it's taken a long time to find a diagnosis. Yeah, you know, and I think really, you know, some of the early, you know, because we'd run some tests on myself, you know, we had run uh, different things like, you know, we had, uh, you know, markers, like I knew my body was low in serotonin, I was deficient, some vitamins, you know, so we'd run some, you know, medical and not kind of natural kind of testing. And really, I think what it came down to is, you know, we knew that mold was the trigger or there was something in the house making me sick, but I never really thought that that environment could have made me as sick as it was. I kind of was like, well, you know, I can do some mold cleanses and I can do some things that kind of prepare my body, but I should still be able to move here. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously for my specific body, that wasn't the case. And I think too, you know, that stress, you know, and I think for different people, it's the different stress. Sometimes it could be heavy metals. Um, for me, it was mold. The flat out point was, I think at that point, no matter what I was going to do, like I had to remove myself from that, that, that trauma or that stress for me to heal. And so I think obviously it kind of took me, you know, I think that two weeks was like, I told you, like it was two weeks, you know, we moved out. It was like, we're moving. Like we made the decision, like enough was enough. And, um, you know, that weekend it was, it was also, I think a blessing though, because I, don't, I think what you're saying is, is that, you know, how do you deal with not having a diagnosis? And I, I kind of feel like for me, what it really came down to is that it was either that I knew there was this belief that I had that either that medicine and a symptom-based approach to health was right, or there were going to be natural solutions. So mm -hmm. it was like this, I, I kind of feel like that at the end of the day, I just had to kind of keep strong to my faith and my beliefs that if I remove these interferences, like I knew the body... I believe wholeheartedly the body is designed to heal. And I know that when you find those interferences, emotional, nutritional, toxic wise, and you remove them, like the body will flat out heal. Um, and sometimes too, you know, the mother time is the only thing that's in between that for sure. Yeah. I love that you said that the body's like working with you. It's not against us. It's trying to give you, like even the stroke that you survived and experienced is your body was giving you a strong ass signal, right? Absolutely. That something needed to change, like notice me and, and like, hello, hello, mayday, mayday, right? Uh, and the yeah. body is just sending you signals to, to hopefully get your attention to, to, in your case, remove yourself from the mold. So I actually know uh, many women in my community have been exposed to mold or are dealing with mold toxicity currently. Yeah. And um, can, you, can you tell them a little bit, and I'm interested too, uh, and actually I grew up in a moldy household as well. And so is removing yourself from a moldy situation, whether that's work or home enough, or what other steps do you need to take? Yeah. And let's put it this way. You know, there is, what I want to say too, just so we understand this is, you know, there is a genetic component. What I mean by that is that when you stretch your body and your system enough, like for me, I had kind of, again, been exposed enough. It was like, boom, that switch turned and my autoimmune condition really kind of turned on full on and full force. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, I did have some warning signs before that. I um, mean, you know, I even remember telling myself like, you know, cause I, and if you look at some of the symptoms of, of mold toxicity, you know, numbness, tingling, I even had some of that. And I was like, man, I'm like, these are also stroke symptoms. But I'm like, come on, 27. You know, so I even remember telling myself that, yeah. you know, I probably had a couple of TIAs before this actually happened, you know, but even some of the doctors I'd been to, you know, they, they that's the last thing I think that was in their mind. Mm -hmm. 
But let's put it this way, you know, 24% of people, again, specifically genetically, they, have an, they, they don't have the ability to be able to remove the toxin as, as fast or as efficient as they should. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of think of it this way, there is, again, about, you know, let's just say 24% um, of people that no matter whether it's at work or in their home, like they're going to hit a point that their body just does not remove the toxin very efficiently. And, you know, here's another thing, you know, let's go back to this. Like what you said is like our body is trying to help us. It's pretty unique that a lot of times we think these genetic things that are really like a fault, but you also have to remember that in certain areas, our body's evolved for certain advantages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's real interesting, you know, that I think we kind of need to look at that too, is that you may not process mold as well, but you have certain advantages because you don't process mold well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think uh, number one for some people, like, yeah, you have to be aware of that, that unfortunately that at the end of the day, you may need, um, and my sister-in-law went through this exact same process with her home. Like they fought me for almost two years. Uh, we're no, we're not going to move in this house. You know, I, you know, this, they were in East Lansing. They were in my brother-in-law work, you know, works at Michigan state and they were in the, the perfect neighborhood, the perfect school district. Um, and they fought me for a couple of years before they, I kind of made them move out for two weeks and just see how it was. It was, it was opening. And once they did that, they realized they had to remove themselves from the, from the trigger. Um, but I would say number one, yeah, you have to remove the trigger because if you don't give yourself enough time, you won't heal. So I think that's maybe the principle I want people to understand with that. Um, if you're not healing or you're not responding, you just need to give your body flat out more time. And so that's why I think for me, it took the six months is because remember, I would hunker down. I would do mold cleanses. Like I was educated. I was doing a lot of right things. And it was like two, three, four weeks. I was good. Then boom, I'm getting sick again. So I think if that's someone listening where they keep finding themselves like, no, I'm better. I'm worse. No, I'm good. I'm good. I got it. Oh, I'm worse. I think that's the process that they're not giving their body enough time to heal. And there's still that outstanding trigger or stress that's out there that their body can't handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we, we talked about in our very first conversation, a little bit about the true cellular detox as well. That, yeah. no, I'm correct. So I'm still going through it and I'm in the brain cleanse phase, but you've also gone through it as well. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That to me was completely transformational. Uh, and really helped me detox. I, in my case, like mold and heavy metals, a lot of other things that were, that were accumulated in my body that I feel like a completely different person. So, so you also worked kind of like on not only, you know, I'm trying to kind of put this into bullet points for our listeners. Number one, you you gave yourself a lot of time. Number two, you did do some of these like supplements and detoxes. And then I'm assuming number three is also just some of the emotional and spiritual work behind that. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. You know, and I think maybe to recap on the the supplements a little bit too, I think that one thing the mold does to the body is it suffocates your oxygen of blood too. So that's where we get a lot of fatigue. It weakens your sinuses. It winds up weakening your lungs and it weakens your gut. So, you know, I do think it is important for people to, you know, again, look at those type of strategies, again, strengthening their, you know, their their pathway, their nose, you know, their throat, their immune system, um, obviously the gut, because these toxins, like your body can can really release them, but most mold toxins are fat soluble. So if you don't actually are, if you're not grabbing things in your gut, then they get, those toxins get reabsorbed. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I think as far as the supplement goes, it's kind of important to look at. Um, I I always tell people, I think oxygen, yeah, go ahead. Ways to kind of clear the, the nasal passages, sinuses, throat. Yes. I do. And I actually was looking over my shelf. I thought I had one of the products I recommend. I don't have it. But uh, yeah, so so there's actually a product called Restore. It's a great product. It basically helps build back up. Yeah. 
Yep. So Restore has a nasal spray that does good because it helps kind of the membranes um, of the body heal. Um, one of the things I think that is huge because your liver is going to have to process a lot of these fat-soluble toxins. So something like an infrared sauna, those are amazing to help kind of speed up the process of helping things out. Um, also a product I used that was huge is chlor a chlorophyll liquid chlorophyll for the blood because it helps oxygenate and build the blood back up. Mm -hmm. So that can sometimes for people can help kind of give them their energy back. Um, the other thing too is I use forms of hyperbaric chamber, which were like that, that for me was night and day difference. I mean, I would get in that for even an hour and get out and man, <clears throat> energy, brain fog, because a hyperbaric chamber, they even use them in hospitals. They use them to remove like toxins. So if someone's been poisoned <clears throat> from carbon monoxide, they put them in a hyperbaric chamber and that actually eliminates the toxin from their system. So hyperbaric for me was huge. Um, I also used, um, it's called the biomolecular oxygen, which is basically you put little drops of oxygen in your water. So there's some really great strategies like that on the supplement uh, kind of front to help at least start the process. Remember, you still have to remove the trigger um, like we talked about. Um, we can definitely wrap, wrap back around around the gut because I think that's something we have to talk about because mold really does affect the gut and cause the gut to be leaky. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of go back and address that no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about that emotional standpoint. I think for me too, there was a point when I was going through my process of healing and I remember this, I was, um, I was in my hyperbaric chamber and I was spending sometimes five, six, seven hours a day in that. Um, I had bought one and when I was in there, I felt completely normal. Like I literally was making uh, phone calls to my patients and they're like, oh my God, Dr. Brad, you sound amazing. Like they're there's nothing wrong with you. And um, I would get out of that oxygen environment and I was, you know, like again, just extreme fatigue, like brain fog, like my gut issues, like crazy amount of like stress. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I want to say is that, you know, I remember this point when I was in my chamber and I just got back from a, from a cardiologist, cardiologist appointment. And uh, we were ruling out just again, make sure there's no genetic issues. There's no hole in my heart. And you know, one of the things is they kind of weren't sure. They're like, well, you could have a hole in your heart. We don't know yet. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was in my hyperbaric chamber and I kind of came to this decision. It was just, it was just a moment. And I, I made a decision that I, I kind of decided that there was going to be a point that I knew that I was, ha I had to take responsibility a hundred percent for my condition, whether it was in my control or not. And I think for the emotional aspect of that, I think for me it was huge. I, I just remember, you know, as I'm laying in this chamber, I'm actually like even like crying a little bit. Like, you know, I'm laying there, I'm kind of like in my head trying to like really kind of wrap my head around like what to do to really get myself well. I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life, but I remember making a decision just that at the end of the day, no matter what it was, if it was genetic, if it wasn't, if there was a hole in my heart, that going forward, I was not going to live another moment of my life where I did not take 100% responsibility. So at that point, I said, I don't care whether the house had mold. I don't care whether there's a hole in my heart, whether it's genetic. I am taking 100% responsibility uh, for my health. And I think kind of once I did that, I think in some ways there came some peace with that. And, um, you know, I would say that's probably one of the first emotional, I think, parts, I think, to my healing is when I kind of came to that realization. And then I think the other thing I kind of came to the realization on is that, you know, one of my goals was before I got sick and I'm, and I'm dead serious on this. I remember telling one of my goals is I, I wanted to live to be 120 and I wanted people to look at me and be like, that's a shining example, right? Of this type of lifestyle. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really wanted to be a, like, you know, again, be someone who could kind of, you know, do the right things and have this amazing quality of life and kind of be an example for people. And like when I got sick, I think it took me reframing that experience to say, okay, how does this sickness not happen to me, but happen for me. And I think from that, it just gave me a different platform for me to really kind of dive into that to say, Hey, I've struggled. I've suffered. I know what it's like to, to again, quote unquote, live a healthy life. But I think it also gave me this understanding that man, the world and healthcare is changing. And I think people do not understand that. Mm -hmm. 
I, I just a couple of things really stood out to me there. The first is that 100% responsibility to me is like the opposite of being the victim of, of the stroke yes. and autoimmune diseases, chronic illness, et cetera. Yeah moldy household, right? We can easily make ourselves a victim of all that. But when we take 100% responsibility, it's saying, no, I'm not a victim of that. I am going to choose to find a solution to this and then also see it as my teacher. And it sounds like you've been able to take um, these big challenges that, that have come up for you that were unexpected as well and yeah. make them um, allow you, it's like it propelled you to be a better practitioner because now you have this experience of like what it feels like to not know if you have a hole in your heart or not to have a had a stroke at 27 and you bring that into your work and that's so inherent and I can see that in, in like the passion that you bring to your work yeah. having been through those challenges and those struggles you know it's I've had you know and I think sometimes you know people look back at their life and they're like you know well if I you know obviously we learn right hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you know and I 100% believe this if someone were to ask me like hey you know let's go back uh, you know, you can avoid your condition. Um, I wouldn't do it. Like, I think it was such a great experience. You know, it's funny, you know, there's a, one of my mentors and one of the things I learned, there was this uh, kind of like a training he walked me through and he says, you know, take the, the three worst uh, times in your life and the three best times of your life. And he goes, if you can figure out the values that were either suppressed or given into in those moments, you'll know, you'll know what really drives your heart and your, you know, and your passion. And I remember, you know, when I, when I think through that, you know, and I think too, like when I look at my story, like I, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And maybe people are like, that's nuts, but I really truly believe it was. And that's how I look at it today. I would not take it back for a second. Um, I think also too, it gave me such an appreciation for my family, um, for my daughter I have now. So I don't know. I just, I feel like I look at life from a different lens and, um, it's no pun intended as I'm wearing these uh, yellow lenses, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. It's actually, a, a side, actually, I just got a brand new pair in the mail today uh, from, from True Dark. It was because uh, uh, they were speaking on our summit, obviously. And but, but no, I think that was a huge, I think, shift for me too, is just that um, it really became something that like, I don't know, I, I, it became a part of me. And also too, like I was honored that that, that happened because I think also too, it's going to give me an, an opportunity um, to really help people at a level I don't think I'd be able to help them be, with before for sure. Yeah. I just like want everyone listening to take a pause for a second because what you said is really impactful and really powerful. And I think it's just proof that someone who was seemingly healthy at 27 years old who had this massive stroke is now like go rewind one minute and listen again because what brad is saying is is that he would not have changed that and that this has been a beautiful teacher and i just i think that that seems impossible for so many people to to see that as a as something yeah. that believe in their future but like you are proof of that. And I, I just, like, I, like I said, I just want to take a moment to, to acknowledge that and for everyone to really like let that resonate within their energetic being so that they can also see hope in that. So this yeah. has obviously inspired your work. You were already a, a practitioner and working in the health field, but it has inspired your work even, even further, I'm sure. And so you talk about these three autoimmune triggers and can you explain yeah. to the listeners what those three autoimmune triggers are? Yeah. So when we talk about triggers and I guess basically the, the easiest way to kind of, I guess, think of that is, um, you know, our body at any given time 
can handle so much crap. And I always kind of joke, you know, crap can be bad nutrition. It can be an environmental toxin like a mold or a heavy metal. Um, it could be an emotional issue, right? I've seen people I've worked with who have lost, a, you know, a spouse or a loved one. And that was the tipping thing that pushed them over the edge. So, you know, I think, yeah, these, what I call these, uh, these tipping points. And what happens is, you know, you stress the body fast enough. So you have this trauma or the stress. And then what that begins to do is that begins to number one, we always know there's a component of our gut or a leaky gut. So there's a stress, there's a leaky gut. And then the, th this, the third thing that happens is once that's done enough, it's like now you actually have the gene that actually gets expressed or turned on. And, you know, and just like in my case, you know, you can start doing the right things. These aren't born in genetic problems, right? These are things that get triggered or happen. So, you know, you go through the healing process and your body can heal. And, you know, I do want to make sure I say this too, is that, you know, maybe people look at me and they're like, well, man, that seems like that was an easy process. No, like I would say it was a real, probably a good solid two years of honestly struggle before I got to the point where I really felt like that I was not only on the back side of it, but possibly better. So, you know, I, I think too, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, I know people, we, sometimes if you look at the news and you watch things, you know, you'll, you'll see someone like a, right, like a Steve Jobs and you think this guy had this, has this amazing life, right? He's got all the money in the world, but people don't know that that guy had like 14 years where he worked basically Monday through Sunday from sunset to sundown. And, you know what I mean? So it took a lot of his time and energy and people just looked at all his success, but didn't realize the hard time he went through. And I think it's the same thing with me. And I would kind of just share people on their own story is like, be okay if you're still on that path where you're still in the dark times, because, you know, we have to spend time in the valley before, you know, we can come out of it. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, uh, just understand where you're at on that. And let's, we can definitely, if I want to make sure I go back and make sure we hit those three, right. But I want to make sure I added that in there. Yeah, no, and I like that. I think I told you when we talked before. I'm a visual person, and I like that you. That's like this valley, right? And and I feel like everyone's valley or dark times are going to be different on length of time. Yeah. Too. Like maybe it's two years, maybe it's six months, maybe it's five, ten years. Like it's just it's so unique in every person's body. So yeah. If I were, you know, someone coming to see you in in your office or working with you remotely. Um, would do you kind of look at those three triggers? Let's go into those and, and help yeah. understand like what's going on with my body. Absolutely. And let's think of this, you know, like, so let's go back and, and to real kind of let's do a visual on that, right? You know, when you're, well, let's say you're at the bottom of the mountain and you're climbing up 8,000 feet, you know, you don't go from the, the bottom to the top. You have base camps, right? You go up a part way, you stop. It's, it's the same thing as a healing journey. So I think that's, you know, another great analogy for people to wrap their head around. You know, there's going to be stop points where you stop and sometimes you're going to hang out for a while before you go to the next level. And sometimes you even regress. You have to go down before you go back up again. Um, but yeah, you know, I think to like going in my story, like, and just to give people an example, you know, I was vaccinated when I was three months of age and immediately I quit breathing. Um, I lose on breathing machines from basically three months to three years of age. And the reason I bring that up is that um, obviously for my body too, heavy metals were also something my body was sensitive to. So when I was 18, I had a filling put in my mouth, just one. But these are triggers and things that were kind of slowly putting kind of crap in my bucket so that when that mold come in, my body didn't have a lot of room to be able to handle that. So uh, yes, I think that, you know, those past traumas, those past stresses, you know, for some people, it can be an exposure to like a virus, like an Epstein-Barr. Like those are all quote unquote crap that goes in the bucket. So at the end of the day, I think if we're really looking at getting you to live your best life, you're right. We have to definitely figure the trigger that maybe pushed you over the edge. But the other thing I always say is too, is what is the biggest thing in that bucket that's keeping you stuck where you're at? So, you know, yes, I do think 
you know, sometimes that is testing. Sometimes that's honestly too, just a great history of just sitting down and talking to somebody and understanding their history, their problems. Um, you know, this may sound unique, but again, what was their birth order? Mm-hmm. So depending on where you were, you know, with your parents, depending on when you were born, first, second, third, can actually determine some of the toxins you probably got from your mother. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think those things are all really relevant to kind of say, hey, you're right, it was one thing that pushed you over the edge, but there was also probably 15 years or 10 years of insults that were still bleeding up to that. So we don't want to ignore those um, and only just remember the one thing that pushed you over the edge because there could still be other things in that bucket that could be more important. And if we really remove that, you know, like again, and we could definitely get into a lot of different areas in that, but heavy metals, but that's, I think too, what people miss too. Yeah. Thinking of my own um, personal healing journey, as you said that, and uh, I, it's like my, my trigger that put me over the edge was a parasite that I contracted in India. But if you look back at my health history, there were a lot of other things that were stacking up and up and up and up. And then, then I had a parasite that just really really screwed with my gut. <laughs> so um, how, how do you go about discovering some of these, these triggers? So you said like yeah. testing, um, health history, are there any other ways? Perfect. I, yeah. I'm glad you said that, you know, so real quick, you know, it, let's think of the body this way. It's kind of interesting. There are about three to four areas of the body which have no protection for toxins. Okay, now just think about what that means. So we have four areas of our body toxins come in and if they get into that area, there's really nothing that we can kind of do to prevent that. Um, one of the top areas is your penile gland, which actually actually secretes melatonin. So it plays a role in sleep. So when you have horrible energy during the day and you can't sleep at night, that a lot of times can be a sign of a toxic trigger. Again, the posterior part of your pituitary gland, which uh, your hypothalamus, your pituitary gland, kind of are, they're the main control towers of your hormones. So those are areas that are definitely susceptible to toxins. Um, but, you know, some of my favorites um, are, as you know, again, like I kind of mentioned, like a good history really helps. Like certain symptoms, whether it be sensitivity to light, um, you know, again, changes in your mood, your sleep. It can really give us an indication whether we're pointing towards more environmental exposure or something like heavy metals or something like parasites. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite tests to run, which people can do, this is real inexpensive, uh, can be done online. It's called the Visual Contrast Sensitivity Test. It's called the VCS test. Another great test, um, I actually just learned this not too long ago, but the military has been using it since the 1940s and 1950s uh, to identify basically toxic, they call it neurotoxic mediated illness. Mm-hmm. And what that basically means is, are your symptoms and your issues possibly being driven from some kind of toxic exposure? You know, that's a vision test that stands up in the court of law, very easy. Um, I believe it's actually a vcstest.com is an area you can get it. It's pretty inexpensive to do. And I believe there's another one online where I think you have to donate. It's on the tip of my tongue. I, I'm not sure which one that is, but that's another great test, just a place to start. Um, and the other thing I would kind of suggest people to do is, you know, you never start with toxins. <laughs> you know, you never start there. Uh, I always tell people, you know, you got to put the basics in place first. Uh, you know, that's supporting right, the right nutrition, supporting your body's detox pathways, fix your deficiencies first, um, really before you start diving down that road of toxins. Because, uh, again, you want to have the right systems, or the body prepared, mm-hmm. so you can really handle and push these detoxes out. Because detox done the wrong way is when you get sick. Um, and for most people, you know, until you're actually starting to improve, you don't want to start pulling toxins out of a body that can't handle them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I actually did that VCS test, uh, uh, well, probably a year ago and mine was like moderate, okay. high, um, you know, t- possible, you know, 
mold toxicity or, or to- toxic overload. Yeah. Like, said, like, so then in my own personal healing, I first worked on allowing some of the path with detox pathways in my body to work efficiently and effectively. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to actually detox those heavy metals out of this body. <laughs> but yeah. first, let me make sure like everything is, is working smoothly and correctly. So you mentioned um, nutritional aspect of that too. So it's like getting your body kind of uh, ready to detox. Uh, and then when we were talking before, you also mentioned that there's a really important nutritional step that is missed in autoimmunity. Can you enlighten us in what that is? Yeah. You know, I think the the big thing that is missed, and I think, you know, we jump to nutrition, which again, I'm all for, trust me, I'm not telling people not to do that. It's essential. Um, You know, we jump to detox, but let's put it this way. When you're sick and you have food allergies, I work with people who have food allergies and they show me their food allergy panel and they go, doc, um, I'm allergic to every food in the world. Mm -hmm. Then the question becomes is how do you use nutrition to heal if every food you're eating is making you sick? Mm -hmm. It's a tough question, isn't it? And so, and I think people are probably out there, that's probably resonating with them. But I I think what it comes down to is I also believe too, and I hopefully no one, you know, turns off your podcast here. Um, But I honestly think the missing link that people miss too, is I honestly feel like fasting has to be a part of your healing protocol. I don't care what you eat, you know, fasting has to be a, a part of it. I don't care if that's certain intermittent fasts, if that's a, you know, every once a week doing a little bit of a block fast, you know, a quarterly fast. I truly do believe because, you know, one of the things too is to give our body time to heal. I mean, how amazing is this? You know, your gut lining is one of the fastest areas of our body that regenerates. You know, your skin, get new skin on your arm every three to five days. Uh, you know, your heart, you know, it takes usually about nine months for your body to develop a new heart. Your liver regenerates every six months, but your gut lining can repair every three to five days. So sometimes just the flat out fact of avoiding food, don't feed a sick body, give your time away from food, I think is really missed, I think, in kind of the natural health world. I think it's starting to get a little more popularity, but I'm going to tell you this, I wouldn't be at where I was at today um, if I didn't fast. I mean, I went through, I can remember specifically when I started working back in my office, I was about, about three to four weeks post, um, getting like basically after my stroke, and that's how fast I was back in my office. And I would start my day, right? I had my smoothie, coconut milk, you know, you name it, berries, hemp seeds, really good food. <laughs> and man, I was putting that in my body, and if I ever tried to eat before noon, I was in the bathroom throwing up. You know, so I went through this process where my body was just trying to tell me like, hey, don't feed me. And I think it was so crucial. So I do think, you know, and obviously it's important to work with somebody on this. You know, you don't want to just jump into fasting and just try a five-day fast. But I really think people need to really look at that. It's, I kind of joke, it's the anti-nutrition. Meaning that, you know, when you're sick, I mean, think about this. You know, you feed your dog when your dog's sick. Will your dog even attempt to eat? No. You feed it, what happens? It throws up. 80% of your body's energy comes through from the process of digesting. So if we can kind of kind of calm that system down, let your body use that that extra energy to heal and run bodily process of your body, I think it's also too uh, something that uh, I think that people really need to think serious about for sure. Yeah. It's, it reminds me just like, you know, sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system and wanting more of that rest and digest state yeah. so the body can actually properly digest and provide growth and maintenance and healing to the body because it's not using so much energy trying to digest more food. So, but at the same time, our immune system requires a lot of nutrients. So can you give an example of like, so I've done a little bit of the intermittent fasting. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I did a very gentle, gentle version of it. Uh, and I'm happy to share that, but I'd love for you to share how you did it as well, just to give you the listeners an idea of what that can look like. You mentioned there's a lot of ways to yeah. do certainly are but in case no one's heard of um, intermittent fasting or fasting in general can you give an example of what a day looks like yeah let's do we'll do like an easy and like kind of easy easy medium and kind of hard you know there's some phenomenal research going out there right now and actually i I believe the uh national tooth uh uh, excuse me um the institute of natural health i believe they just actually funded a company over a hundred million dollars so they're doing some really interesting research um it's called the fasting mimicking diet and within five days, I mean, they're doing this. I mean, they have cases of MS, um, like reversing. I mean, they have some pretty phenomenal research going in there. And this isn't a pure fast. It's a, it's a mimicking fast. So let me walk you through some of the science too. When you eliminate food and you begin to move on about 12 to 16 hours of not eating. So let's just say, you know, you eat dinner and you skip breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is there's, there, there's this benefit of your body begins to burn off all the energy that's there. Once that's done, what your body can begin to do is utilize your fat stores for energy. And so that's really when people talk about intermittent fasting, there's some benefits, um, obviously for letting your gut heal. Uh, there's some benefits as far as hormones and weight loss go, uh, wise goes is that you're basically not eating for four, you know, 12 to 16 hours, and then you're keeping all the food you eat within a 12 to eight hour window. Um, what I would kind of suggest that people are kind of listening today, you know, possibly skipping breakfast is a good place to start. And what I even tell people too, is if you're new to fasting, let's just say you eat your first meal at noon, you finish dinner by eight o'clock at night. So you're eating in that eight hour window of, of eating. What I also tell people, if you're new to fasting, you know, start your day with a little bit of tea, like use like a, you know, an herba mate, a green tea, a go-to cola tea. And then I add a little bit of fat in there, like a little bit of coconut oil, just some things that will maybe keep you and give you a little bit of energy. And so that should maybe keep you full to that noon point where you can actually break your fast and then, you know, kind of figure your intermittent fasting. Yeah. Now, a lot of the block, yeah, so that's kind of like a, an entry way to start. Um, I always tell people, you know, the other thing is do what's called like a warrior fast, which is basically you eat a big dinner and then just don't eat anything until the next day at dinner. Um, again, a little tougher, but I think for most people, you know, I mean, that is a doable thing. And again, if it's your first time fasting, you know, again, doing a little bit of tea during the day and adding some like healthy fat, like a coconut oil, those are things that'll give you a little bit of energy that'll help kind of make you feel okay um, during the process. And a lot of the research where we're seeing that a lot of the big benefits are is around that three to five day period of doing nothing. And what happens at that point, which is really unique, is your body starts increasing what's called our stem cells. And stem cells are cells that our body can really use to basically turn into anything, to help heal anything. And then around five days, we actually get this spike in what are called progenitor cells. And these cells are actually stem cells for your brain. I mean, so it's, it's really pretty fascinating that, you know, you hit this certain point of fasting And we know that your body begins to, it's also called autophagy. And actually, um, the gentleman who actually just won a Nobel Prize, I think it was in 2016 for his work on what's called autophagy. And what that is, is when your good cells begin to eat your bad cells. So think of Pac-Man. When your good cells begin to chew on your bad cell and use those, you begin to basically chew up these cells that aren't working right, these cells that have like the wrong DNA, these damaged cells. And we're seeing a lot of immune system regeneration at that point. So you know, again, obviously kind of basic, intermediate, and then and, and more advanced. But, you know, I always tell people, you know, start with, uh, you know, if you, you know, even do the one thing I always say too is a lot of people, what they miss, they miss as far as nutrition is a lot of times people eat less. And I would actually suggest don't necessarily, you know, eat less, but eat less often. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. I mean, I think keeping people to two to three meals a day, 
Um, I mean, at most, um, I think sometimes too, the more we're eating constantly during the day, you're constantly stimulating insulin, you're constantly stimulating your cortisol levels. Um, and for someone who's trying to heal, you know, I would kind of really suge you know, suggest they kind of stick to more to like, you know, two meals a day, two to three meals a day. And I think they're going to see better results as far as nutrition goes too. So when I was doing it, I did um, the, the eight hour kind of window of eating, like you mentioned. Okay. An option yeah. Started around, um, I would eat around 10 a.m. and then I'd be finished by 6 p.m. And that worked pretty well for me. My question for you is, and the way I, well, the way I did it and just I think the way I read about doing it is that I did yeah. that for like one to two weeks and then I, I stopped. Is there a uh, amount of time, like you said that warrior yeah. fast, the examples, like people aren't doing this for their entire life. They're just doing it for how long? Yeah, good point. I mean, so think of this is intermittent fasting should be in your, a tool in your toolbox to heal. Now, guys are different than, than females with our hormones. Mm -hmm. So like I myself, I pretty much intermittent fast technically maybe every day. Now, mm -hmm. I don't always make, you know, some days I do a six hour window of eating. Some days it's an eight hour window, but that's my typical routine. Um, and then usually, uh, usually quarterly, I'll do a three to five day fast every quarter. Now, what I would tell for women to do is you know, I think women, what's a little bit different about our hormones, you know, as women's and men's is I would kind of suggest that, you know, women can do as much as every other day. So I don't like women to do it all the time. You know, I think you do need to break it. Um, but yeah, I do like your, you know, kind of analogy. I always tell people too, the other day, the other thing to do is do it two, three days out of your week and then the rest of your day kind of eat normal. So, you know, you yeah. can just, just implement that as a normal. And what I want to maybe bring up too, is I know kind of when, one of the things that I see people do wrong with intermittent fasting if you're doing intermittent fasting, I think some of what people do too is they kind of skimp on their dinner. And I think the one thing is, you know, I've had people intermittent fast and they'll, they'll, they'll show me their food peer, you know, their, their food uh, log and they'll be like, hey doc, like, you know, I had a, a chicken breast, I ate some cauliflower, um, I ate, you know, some broccoli, like it was super clean. And I'm like, okay, I don't like that. And they're like, what do you mean? Um, and I'm like, where's your fat? I'm like, you know, I'm like, you need fat to help keep you full. So mm -hmm. I think the other thing is too, is trust me, I'm all about clean eating. But make sure too that that big meal before you go into your fast, like that evening meal, like it needs to be loaded with good fat, good protein, and good carbohydrates. Because if we don't eat enough fat, what's going to happen is you're going to run out of fuel until the next morning. Mm -hmm. um, and the way I like to tell people this is, if you think about your car's analogy, you know, um, you know, a, a gram of protein or carbohydrate is like putting four to five gallons of gas in your car, but a molecule of fat is equal to nine and a half. So you're getting double the energy from molecule of fat. So, you know, I think too, don't skimp on those fats, especially in the evening. Um, you need those to keep you full. Um, and I think that's a huge thing that people miss when they intermittent fast, they get hungry because they don't have that fat to kind of keep them full through that period. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I kind of just intuitively let my body guide me through it where it was like the first day was pretty hard because I yeah. was waking up, waking up and eating first thing and, um, you know, guilty of some of the like after meal, after dinner snacks and everything. So like you said, it was like my body was working all throughout the day using insulin and, and starting to trying to digest all throughout the day. And then going to that, that period of IF or intermittent fasting was at first challenging, but then I listened to my body and I started having a bigger dinner. And, um, I'm, I love my coconut oil, my avocado oil yeah. and my avocados. <laughs> so yep, yep. those, those fats. Uh, and so then it became actually really easy. It just was like, um, 
it just modified, you know, modification to the way I was, was eating before. Um, when you've inspired me to actually go and do it again, because it's been a while since I've done any sort of, um, period of time of the intermittent fasting. But I do remember that I had energy, my skin cleared up, my digestion was amazing. So I was seeing a lot of the benefits of it when I was doing it. Yeah. Well, and it can take you just, I guess, to maybe pair on that. It can take, you know, for people who are just starting it, it can take two to three weeks to kind of adapt because, you know, our bodies, if you're not used to your body utilizing fat for energy, it does take some time for your body to get used to it. So, you know, again, you'll be patient with the process, you know, don't stress yourself out too much about it. The other thing I would say, you know, if you really struggle with it, like I mentioned, you know, start your morning with like some healthy tea, avocado oil, coconut oil, MCT oil in the morning. The other thing I didn't mention too is guess what you can also do that helps is I like telling people to do like a camel meal tea before bed, a little bit of coconut oil, a little bit of MCT, a little bit of avocado oil. So sometimes too, having that right before bed will help. My other strategy I'll give people that will really help is if you're taking vitamin D, and I, I think most people probably should be taking vitamin D, especially if they have autoimmune conditions, um, I would suggest when you go kind of before bed, if you're doing a little bit of tea, you're doing a little bit of coconut oil or MCT oil, add a dose of vitamin D right before bed. Um, vitamin D is a precursor for hormones. And vitamin D also makes something what's called DHEA, and DHEA is a mediator for our immune system. So a little bit of that with a little bit of tea before bed at night, a little bit of vitamin D, especially a lot of times I know a lot of women and a lot of guys I work with too. Um, I can see that really jump up your energy first thing in the morning. Um, so that's kind of a, a nice strategy too, that if you're kind of struggling, waking up intermittent fasting and you find yourself crazy hungry, it usually means you messed up dinner, not, the, not, not your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you clearly have tons of of knowledge and wisdom and the personal experience on autoimmune and and chronic illness and all these healing modalities, which I appreciate you so much for sharing. But you also have, now you've combined a lot of experts to come together, this upcoming summit called the Autoimmune Paradox Summit, which I will also be speaking at. Can you share with our listeners what that is all about? What inspired you to create this summit? Yeah. You know, a lot of my inspiration around the summit is, and, and kind of what I named the summit is we called it the autoimmune paradox summit. And, and I think why it's so fitting for autoimmunity is because let's go back to the, I know you like your visual examples, yeah. um, you know, but, and I'm with you. I love them too. Um, I think we, we talk about autoimmunity. I always kind of joke that if you imagine two, you know, people in a cave or two cavemen sitting there hitting sticks and stones together, trying to create fire, um, that's about how well I think that medicine and a lot of people understand autoimmune and whether you have an autoimmune problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the autoimmune paradox and what, you know, kind of what I, I kind of figured is, is that, you know, people will suffer with, you know, sometimes even too blood work that's normal for years before they get answers, you know? So what I really wanted to do with a lot of our speakers, you know, we have four, over 42 speakers, you know, man, speaking all the way from understanding about your stool and what your poop tells you. Um, obviously you talking about emotional issues. We have, uh, you know, experts talking about heavy metal and mold. Um, parasites, um, Epstein-Barr, um, also just two basic nutrition, intermittent fasting. Um, so I really want to make sure that the basics of autoimmune were covered because at the end of the day, if you don't have the right fundamentals in place, like you know some of the advanced strategies I see people do, what, the reason why they're not getting results is because they're still missing pieces of the basics. Yeah. And so I think that that foundation's got to be put in place And so that was kind of a lot of my thought behind the summit is making sure that people had those basic points, Um, but also to bringing together, you know, people in the air, you know, there's a lot of great emerging science, you know, uh, one of our speakers who's speaking, you know, there's some new testing today that can map basically every single bacteria 
of your gut and they can spit out a food recommendation unique to your bacteria in your gut. I mean, so there's some real cool things that are happening in the world of autoimmunity where we're starting to understand it better and it just helps kind of shorten the curve for people to get well. Um, kind of like on, on like under before. So yeah, a lot of tools we try to bring together are things that I wish I would have learned, uh, you know, and <laughs> right. my healing journey would have been available for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to just thank you for your knowledge and your time. And I'm sure there's a lot more in there. So is there anything that, that we missed today that you'd love to share with the audience? Yeah, you know, I would say the only other thing I think that uh, is important for, for people maybe to wrap their head around is that I think we said this earlier is just, you know, your health, it is a journey. Um, and I think, you know, again, don't push away from it, push into it. Um, and I think, you know, the great news is unlike any other time today, I truly believe that there is no better time today to live, to live with the disease because there is so many answers and so many solutions out there. So, you know, find people that inspire you, uh, partner with people you who think like you do, who can support you um, and get a part of a community that can really help you grow because there are answers I think like ever before. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again so much. So how can people find you work with you and listen to the summit. Yeah. Uh, the best place for people to connect with me is probably on my website at uh, drbradgorski.com. Uh, easier than it sounds, a doctor's DR and then Brad is B-R-A-D. Uh, Gorski is G-O-R-S-K-I.com. And then also too, yeah, the Autoimmune Paradox Summit. And that's exactly what that is, uh, .com. So the Autoimmune Paradox Summit.com. Uh, they can register for free uh, for our speakers. So that uh, launches October 1st. Always a great place to connect with us too. Awesome. Thank you again for your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing, uh, Sarah, obviously to this, I think this topic of uh, healing uncensored, I was actually thinking about this before we started. I, I could have even maybe sworn a couple of times, but I decided not to. <laughs> actually, no. We love the cuss words over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but, um, you know, uh, one of my mentors, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, who was a real inspiration, you know, when, when he was, you know, beat a cancer, he was cancer free for over eight years. And uh, when I was going through my, my healing journey, you know, I would call him and, you know, uh, he would just, you know, sometimes tell me, he's like, you know, Hey, you know, you're, you're going to get an education. He's like, I can't tell you how to heal because I, he's like, man, this is new. He's like, I feel like you're going to have to pioneer this and really figure some things out yourself. Um, but you know, what he used to always tell me too, is he would say at the end of the day, he's like, just get shit done. Yeah. So, uh, there we go. <laughs> My well, now he's my fiance. Well, he does that. G what get shit done. He goes, Hey honey, GSD, get shit there, done. There you go. Yep. So yeah. So if obviously people are out there, I would just encourage them to, you know, hey, just keep moving, keep taking steps, keep taking steps. I took a lot of steps that weren't right, but I'm telling you what I learned, I learned, I learned. And so, you know, it's kind of part of that process. Yeah. Thank you just for being that hope and that inspiration. I appreciate you so much and, and for putting together this summit as well. I hope everyone takes a listen because there's so much value there and a lot of um, potential missing links in people's healing as well. So thank you again, Brad. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I hope that after each one of these episodes of the Healing Uncensored podcast that you leave feeling inspired, having an aha moment, feeling like there's something new that you learned or a new aspect of your healing that you're inspired to implement. That's what this podcast is about. Everything that you don't hear at your doctor's office, these new perspectives, new ways of thinking, using your intuition and diving deeper into the layers, the deeper layers of healing, healing on a soul level. 
If you have felt inspired by this podcast or find it valuable, I would love for you to share it with people in your life who might also benefit. And it would mean so much to me if you went to iTunes and left us a five-star review. That way we can get into the ears of more people. We can spread this message of healing in a different alternative way that so many of us have seen so much transformations from. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to sign up for the Autoimmune Paradox Summit. My conversation with Brad was so much fun. Can't wait for you guys to hear that conversation as well. And I will see you next time.